Hey, everyone. I want to get right to it today. Very excited for today's guest. He's literally probably the most exciting person. I mean, my, my favorite interview. Whenever I get to talk to Dr. James Fallon, it is truly a privilege, and I learn something. And he, believe me, you will learn a lot today. Uh, Dr. Fallon is a professor of psychiatry and human behavior at UC Irvine. He is also a professor of the Department of Anatomy and Neurobiology. In addition to authoring 300 papers and books, he has written two personal memoirs. The one, Caleb, why don't we put it up? The Psychopath Inside, A Neuroscientist Journey into the Dark Side of the Brain. There it is. Well worth your read. He has a TED Talk up there that is very popular as well. And as I said, he is my favorite guest. Please welcome Dr. James Fallon. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Since the beginning of the pandemic, nearly one in five Americans has reported consuming an unhealthy amount of alcohol. Could be you, but only 10% of them are actually getting the help they need. Reframe is a neuroscience-based smartphone app that helps users cut back or quit drinking alcohol altogether. Using evidence-based tools, techniques, and content, Reframe guides users through a personalized program to help them reach their goals. Comprised of daily tasks, a comprehensive toolkit, a community forum, and accountability guides, Reframe is a modern, accessible, and affordable resource that can help anyone looking to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol. Reframe is backed by Harvard University and Emory University Schools of Medicine, and it is ranked the number one alcohol reduction smartphone app worldwide with over 350,000 downloads. With Reframe, there's no stigma, just science, no labels, just support. To learn more, go to joinreframeapp.com slash Dr. Drew. Use the code Dr. Drew for 25% off your first month or your annual subscription. That's at joinreframeapp.com slash Dr. Drew. Dr. Fallon, welcome. Drew, good to be with you again. It's been good to be with you as well. And it has been a couple of years, and today we are, have been brought together by world events, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Putin's brain. And uh, it's, a, it's, a it's a long story I want to build into. First, if you wouldn't mind, people who aren't familiar with your work and your story, if you could sketch for them your story and the meaning of the, the psychopath inside. Yeah, I mean... I grew up always uh, thinking I was a completely normal guy, you know, I really, and I am. And I found out through some very, through some serendipity, we're doing an Alzheimer's study. We're doing PET scans and genetics and all this in psychiatric analyses. And we, we needed another group of normals. We had, you know, in order to finish this clinical study, this clinical trial. And so I said, look, I have all my family come in and myself, that was a first mistake. And, uh, and we'll get scanned and, and do all that because we're all normal. And uh, so we had that done. And at the same time, I had just had finished analyzing a whole group of these uh, serial killers and murderers who were psychopaths or impulsive or disorganized murderers. 
and had come up with a, a model of psychopathy that was, you know, back then it was the most uh, comprehensive one. That was back in 2006. And at this, so there's two studies came together and they weren't intended to. And my, the, the uh, technicians brought in the scans from my family and I went through them. And what I went through seven or eight of them and they all looked very normal. I could tell generally how they were. And I got to the last one and I said, very funny guys, you slipped this in. It's one of the psychopathic murderers and you put it in my family. We're having fun in the lab and everything. And they said, no. It's not. So I had to pull back the tape because I never know who I'm looking at, right? I've done blindly. And I pulled back the tape and there was my name and Gandalf showed up at my door and I was it. And that began this uh, uh, this weird story. And so I have uh, the and, pattern. And let's look at that pattern, Caleb. If you throw the, let's throw Dr. Fallon's brain up there versus normal. And, and why don't you go ahead and describe to us what we're looking at. It's essentially... The cold is decreased activity. The red is hot activity. Go ahead. That's right. Compared to some comparison. So you can see the controls up above. That's the normal PET scan. That's through the middle of the brain. So if you look to the side, uh, the nose would be to the right and the back of the brain would be to the left. And this is through you know, the middle line. And you can see on the top what is normal. All that red there is an area that's been stimulated during this PET scan. And the yellow, it's pretty evenly, uh, you know, activating a lot of areas. And you look down at mine, and you can see the blue and the green there. That means it's turned off and very abnormally off. And uh, if you look at that orbital cortex uh, and ventromedial cortex, which is where the red arrow is, you can see it's just just about completely turned off. But also the hippocampus and anterior cingulate and the amygdala is weird. So it's a really classic psychopathic pattern. That was mine. And this looked like all the psychopaths I had looked at from since 1989. And so this and, came back to us. It's such an ironic story. Uh, and uh, yeah, shoot, what was I going to ask about that? That's that's my COVID brain, which I'm sure is uh, <laughs> cold in certain areas now. Uh, <laughs> um, the We'll talk more about the ventromedial prefrontal cortex and the amygdala and, and their importance. In, in And you said in your life, you probably compensated for that in many ways. Well, I wasn't even, I didn't even realize it. But in going back, you know, after when I finally sort of accepted it, when I told my wife the pattern, I said, I got the weirdest thing to say. I said, my, my brain scan looked at, and my genetics look exactly like psychopaths would or the traits of psychopaths. And she said, it doesn't surprise me. That that should have been a clue. Then, but I, <laughs> she's a funny gal. We have, and by the way, been, if you if you if you didn't have that pattern in your brain, that would have bothered you. <laughs> but, but, oh yeah, yeah, that would have been a, a warning signal. But, but yeah, my genetics uh, really line up with the with the traits having to do with psychopathy. You know, very low emotional empathy, very highly aggressive, competitive. And just being, a, you know, all the things associated with being a jerk, really. And uh, I, this was new to me, and I and I just laughed it off for several years, until I gave a talk with the ex prime minister of Norway, uh, and I had to use my data. Uh, he was he had bipolar, and he came out. This was in the two thousand and two, and uh, that. So he and I gave a talk together, and I used my own data. But at that meeting, there were all these psychiatrists there from the University of Oslo and other places. Uh, even though it was public, it was a public meeting, but they, there was the head of psychiatry stood up and said, he said, well, first of all, you're hypomanic and you have bipolar and you don't even know it. 
because you're never depressed. And, and mm. of course, the, the hypomania, the mania is what defines bipolar, not the depression. So oh, that's cool. Right. That was public. Right. We want to talk to you afterwards. So we met afterwards over drinks for three or four hours, he and the other psychiatrist. And they talked to me for three or four hours. We got a little loaded. And at the end, they said, you probably are very close to being a, a psychopath. And I said, you got to be kidding. That's when I took it seriously. And that's when I, you know, this when really, this thing really started uh, taking some form because it, I really started looking why, uh, you know, I'd been married forever. I've been, I've been with the same girl since we've been twelve, same job forever. It didn't look like the pattern of a psychopath. Uh, but and then in asking everybody I know, uh, the wife, kids, grandkids, siblings, and my mother, my father, you know people close to me and they all said, well, you do psychopathic things. You just don't even know it. You don't, you think that's fun. And I said, it is fun. I said, it ain't fun. And when the, the psychiatrist said, you think it's fun, it's not fun. You put people in a lot of danger and you do it for fun and you, you, you try to dominate and manipulate people. And I said, you're probably close, but I'm not categorically a psychopath. So I'm like a regular guy still. And, and you said you, in during adolescence, you feel like maybe you compensated for some of this by becoming hyper-religious. Well, I was, you know, when I, when I was about 11, 12, 13, I became a really uh, full on OCD and it expressed itself in terms of hyper-religiosity. Mm. And it mm. took, you know, and, and, and it worried people. And, and I also acted strangely when I wasn't busy. So my mother, Made sure to tell all my teachers, keep this guy busy all the time with sports, tire him out every day, which I did my whole life. And that was the, you know, it was like the uh, the way to get rid of it. And her way was to do that, to keep me busy. And I was busy, but I was I also had thoughts, thoughts and that were not like other people, certainly. And, and adults throughout my life, starting when I was about 12 or 13, noticed this. Psychiatrists mm -hmm. who lived near us things like that. And so, uh, but I never painted any dude, you know, cause I, uh, you, you know, how do you compare yourself? You're a kid, you know, even when you're 15, right, 18, right. but uh, this right. has been my whole life of uh, adults who should know better. And, you know, clinicians, et cetera, who said there's something really about you. And is there a crossover between OCD, bipolar and psychopathy? Is there any sort of relationship there? Similar brain regions involved in certainly the OCD part. But and the hypomania the too, I suppose. Yeah, the, it's the uh. reverse because, you know, when you have a high level of activity in the striatum, and, and I mm. don't, and you have a high, you know, uh, and you have high prefrontal activity, so you're always obsessing about things. That's a, in a way opposite of psychopathy. It's almost like a switch occurred when I was about 18 or 19. OCD went away and mm. all these sorts of psychopathic like behavior started at the same time. It's almost they were inverse. I don't know the causality there, but it was certainly not occurring at the same time. And one took over the other. I became sort of this other person. Now, we're going to talk about, thank you for reviewing the, the story. I mean, it's such a, it's such a great story. I mean, I just, I can't get, I can, I could hear it a thousand times and, and get something I, out of it every, every single time. Not, my wife doesn't like it, but and the kids think it's funny. My grandkids love it. Grandpa, you know, grandpa's kind of kooky, and so that's a, they, they like this stuff. And that's all I'm, I'm, I'm just well. And and you also playing, told me I'm, that you you went back. You went back in the family history, and uh, 
you found your mother, I think, mentioned something about her grandfather, and then lo and behold, what'd you find? Well, it turns out, you know, on my mother's side, they're all Sicilians, and, and her father came over, lived on the streets in New York from the time he was 11 onwards, alone, and, uh, and then met his wife, my mother's father, another, you know, another Sicilian, they, did, they didn't meet in Sicily, they, made it, they met in Little Italy, in Brooklyn, actually. And so mm -hmm. that side of the family, the mafiosa side, uh, is not the bad, that's not where the bad people are. It's on my father's side, the English. So it's on the English side. And we have a couple of, of really good uh, historians and genealogers. You know, one is a New York, uh, uh, New York State editor of a newspaper and does great research. And another one was kind of a holy man. See, in our family, we're like really either too good or really bad. And that was the whole pattern mm -hmm. going back. So we've got, you know, Cousin Lizzie mm -hmm. Borden, uh, you know, but it's it's worse than that. Going back to our families, you know, when they got here on the Mayflower, I got, we have seven, maybe eight now grandparents that we can prove that were on the Mayflower. So it's this old English Yankee family. But the, the, the parents of those, the, there are three lines we found out, filled with murderers and bad actors. And they go, they go back to some of the worst kings in England. And I know that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a parlor game. You're, uh, it's, it's like, who are the horse thieves in your family? But this is a lot of them in our, in our family on that side. And my, my mother loved that because, you know, she's the Goomba. And she was always, they always worked her over, all the civilians, which are non, you know, the non-Italians. Uh, for her, her, right. her, she and her sisters being mafiosa. And so she got a kick out of that and loved that story, believe me. And she lived to almost Interesting. 102. And that's fantastic. And, and, and I, uh, I've always said, look, it, it was not the healthy people that decided to climb on those ships and, and uh, risk their life going yeah. across the country to end up in a wilderness with natives. I mean, it's just that, that you have to have been bipolar, drug, alcoholic, psychopathic. It's got to be all that. We wonder why we are the way we are in this country. And then the super crazy ones, 100 years later, decide it was a great idea to get on a wagon and go west. Th those were the extra super crazy ones. And then the, the others invented better beer in Australia, right? And so it's true. And if you look, you know, why do we have so many psychopaths? It's a, it's a pan-cultural, it's, it, it's with us, you know, one to 2% in every culture. Why is it a, a pervasive, prevailing sort of reality? And, you know, well, if those genes and behaviors that make you want to go over out of your house every weekend and have sex with every other woman, on the other side of the mountain, uh, that's that's the you know that sort of aggressive hypersexual uh, trait is terrible for families, terrible for villages, but it's great for the species because it mixes genes up. So yeah. you know when we talk about the, the the good and evil of this, well, good and evil according to what? And you know yeah. according to the species, psychopaths are very useful, very useful. According yeah. to, if you look at no, families, there are there are evolutionary reasons why many so-called conditions persist in the genome uh, being hypomanic is a is a survival in is sort of an advantage yep. alcoholism has lots of survival advantages when you're not drinking but let's let's leave the the general topic and the, the kind of move on over towards your study of psychopathic leader and psychopathic psychopaths in history why don't you tell us you know what what motivated that study 
I'm interested in kind of how you're feeling about it because it seems to really animate you. Uh, and you tell me when you want me to pull the slides up with the list of traits that you've discovered. This animation is just, it's spielkes. You know, it's ants in the pants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something you know Yiddish. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that. Well, the way that occurred was started over 12 years ago um, when the people in the Human Rights uh, Foundation, and Oslo Freedom Forum, I had heard my talk and asked me to give a talk on uh, dictators because that group, that group that I belonged to for years, uh, our job is to get rid of dictators, but doing it peacefully. Okay, so we're, we're, by peaceful means, uh, and I belong to another group uh, that is centered in Russia and Ukraine and in London that is also in the business of trying to topple you know, dictatorial, uh, sociopathic or psychopathic regimes. And then third, for some years now, for about 12 years, I've been working with the Department of Defense and Pentagon. I was on James Mattis's, our Secretary of Defense. I was on his uh, committee on, on, on soldiers and, you know, how to, well, you know, what's the perfect soldier? So I've, I've been involved in three different groups that are related to not only psychopathy, but dictators. So when I was asked to give a talk on dictators, I went, I spent some months uh, going through, uh, you know, in the books behind me, and there's about 30 books behind me having to do with the history and tastes and everything of dictators. So I went through for months and then, uh, you know, annotated that and said, what are the traits? So I took the traits and put them according to which, uh, which of the dictators had which traits, and I just started to catalog them, and a pattern popped out. So when I gave that talk at the Oslo Freedom Forum, since then I've given talks more specifically on Putin over the past 10 years uh, at different film festivals, but also in New York City at the PutinCon. And uh, in Europe, I've given uh, talks both in Ukraine on Putin and also in London and other places. So I've given talks about the about dictators for those three different groups I'm allied with that are trying to get rid of these guys, uh, get get rid of guys like me, you know, and uh, in 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 leadership roles certainly as the, the heads of nations. So, uh, so we're involved in a fair amount of mischief, but we're we're not we're anti-violence. So it restricts what we can do other than cause mischief intellectually, I guess. Are are a lot of the members of the panel similarly constituted to yourself? On uh, which panel? You were well. You were saying that the ones that are trying to get the um, to, to remove the dictators, or you know, to prevent oh, them are from they, carrying out violent acts. Well, a lot, no, it's yeah. a real mix of people from different political persuasions, and most of them would be I would call classic liberals, right? which overlaps with uh, libertarians now. There's not a lot of classic liberals left other than libertarians. Most of them have gone, uh, you know, in the present, for example, the present so-called liberals are really leftists. Uh, you know, they're really uh, they're more Marxist and, and fascistic. So a lot of them have gone away, but this group, there's a high, very high percentage from all over the world, from the, you know, two, three, uh, two groups of the three, not the one in the military, that has some other uh, countries involved. But um, they are what we call classic liberals, you know, nonviolent, uh, you know, non-aggressive, physically non-aggressive. 
So that's what they have in common. But some of them are pure Marxists. Some of them are, you know, you call Democrats, Republicans, old style Democrats and old style Republican conservatives and libertarians. So let's go back to the the psychopaths. It is you were talking about the then in your own family it's either all one way or all the other is that some the the ones that were sort of not being troublemaking is that what some people call a pro-social psychopath and would you characterize it that way well they could be a lot of them are just angelic uh, and we can't find any psychopathic traits at all ah, so they're not even psychopaths at all but they're very very I so see. we've got a lot of nuns and ministers and you know uh, people Wild. and really well-behaved people were very sweet and giving. So it's not like they're pro-social psychopaths. It's like they're really, really, really sweet people. And so it, it's back, back and forth. But I don't know whether they have other problems. Not everybody wants to come out and say, yeah, I have OCD and I'm crazy this way. So we don't know a lot of them exactly what they had. And it's it's only uh, you know in the past few years where people are more open about these things. Yes, true. Now, you found one of the things you discovered in your studies is that what makes a psychopath really problematic is well, I'm not sure if you're you better clarify this for me. I don't know if you found this to be causational in the psychopathy or the manifestations of the psychopathy, and I'm referring to loss of parents, abandonment, neglect, childhood trauma. In all of the psychopaths I've studied, that is living or executed a murderers, uh, serial killers who were psychopaths, every one of them uh, came from a broken home. And they're either abandoned or abused uh, severely in those families. That's that. So, you know, it seems to be the trigger for epigenetic changes that fixes the promoters of genes. That is those things that regulate these genes for these traits for social behavior, mm -hmm. it fixes them so they're out of contact. You know, everybody can kill somebody at, at an appropriate time if they're trying to kill you or your family, but they do things out of context, out of social acceptability, out of moral reasoning that's accepted in that society. So uh, it seems to be the triggering event. That is, you can be born with these traits. So each, each personality trait uh, may be coded for by 15 major genes, right? And you can inherit one or two forms of the genes from your mother and father. You can get the high acting allele, low acting allele. When you put all of these 15, let's say, for each of these traits, let's say it's for aggression and violence. Well, it's a roll of the dice, which one you're going to be born with. And some people naturally normally have inherited all the aggression related genes. Now, that doesn't make them psychopathic or criminals or anything, but it means they're a pain in the ass to play Scrabble with. They have to win everything. They have to dominate every conversation. They have, and they don't have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, emotional empathy. They have cognitive empathy. That is, they're very good at knowing what you're feeling. Uh, what they do with it is another matter. A good, normal person with this psychopathic trait of cognitive empathy uh, it does really great things for people. They say, I understand your problem, and I'm now going to give you a bunch of money and do a bunch of work for you. That's what a good person does, but they can still have the so-called psychopathic trait. So th these are traits that are neither good nor bad. It's just the context. Now, if you have a preponderance of these genetic alleles and you are then abused or abandoned between birth and about two years old, 
this is big trouble because those promoters on those genes, like the warrior gene is really a promoter. It's like putting a, 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 it's like putting a brake on the gas pedal. It's always on. And so it's out of context dependence. And this is what leads to personality disorders, it seems. So it seems to be uh, uh, more than permissive. It, it is in some way causative, as, which was your, you know, your question. Yeah. Now, yeah. just because you have, a lot of people are abused early on in life, or they are not raised by their parents, they turn out wonderfully. See, it's not like if you're abused, you're going to be bad. You know, it's, it's bad news. You have to have mm -hmm. the genes and then also be abused early. That combination is what right. creates this, it appears to be, you know. Right. As usual, the gene, gene environment interaction. Uh, genes are not destiny, as we say. Right. No. And so you, you mentioned something. I'm going to keep going back now towards the, the, the leaders that were psychopathic. You said you slipped by, and I didn't, don't know if you were being funny or if there is such a thing. You called it the, the Putin con? Like the like the Putin was a, like the, the Human Rights Foundation put together, uh, and it was a, you know it was tongue in cheek, but it was all these leaders from around the world, all these experts on you know in government and otherwise, and uh, in business, and these were people from all over the world who were the leaders, the ex leaders of all these countries, you know, uh, Belarus, Chechnya, Ukraine, Russia. Mm -hmm. Uh, North Korea, all the, you know, so we had a, a whole group of people from around the world. So we got to call it something PutinCon. And there I gave a talk about, uh, I, I put together this thing. I went beyond just general, you know, your generic dictator, if you will, over the past 3,500 years, and then zeroed in on Putin. So I've been talking about Putin for about 11 years now, uh, where he came on the radar. And I've just been following him. So I've given, you know, talks and I've, I know people who know him, who work with him. And um, and so I've been trying to keep in contact with, you know, with these people. And then this happened. So now I, you can imagine the amount of, uh, I, I, I don't get much sleep in the past 10, 12 days. Uh, I, I and imagine. so I've been doing this, you know, over in Ukraine, in Russia, to the extent that they can get them out. Uh, and in other places, you know, in Europe, et cetera. And I've had film crews here the past week to discuss this from different mm -hmm. countries, mostly European countries. And But there, here mm -hmm. we are in the United States. And of course, Drew, you're the man. <laughs> really hard. So here we're talking about it. So, you know, there, hey, for well, a lot I appreciate of Americans, that. I do. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you got, I, you got the, you know, you got the guts, man, and you got the, and you got the insight. And plus you're a physician who's hip. You know, you just know a lot about people. And so I, you know, I said, who is going to give me a call locally? I said, God, I hope it's true. And bingo, there it was. So Michelle Poe. Oh, no kidding. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Oh, you Michelle, made, yeah. made my day. And I hope it's not just your psychopathic manipulation that, that, is, that is bringing me to feel this good. Either way, I feel good. <laughs> you know, you know better. Uh, so, so. Uh, and tell us a little bit about, because I want to start digging into the specifics. We'll bring up this list in a second. But before we do, tell us about the Dow series. Yeah, Dow stands for Lev Landau. Lev Landau, they call it Dow, was a Russian physicist who created the Soviet atom bomb. And he was the one putting that together. And Stalin took Dow and the other physicists, uh, 
having to do with the weapons of mass destruction, mass destruction, and put them together in this institute in Moscow and kept them prisoner there, basically. So this uh, Russian producer, this really wild producer, uh, he gave me a call about 12, 13 years ago and said, I'm doing a film and it has to do with psychopathy, but it's psychopaths having to do with how women psychopaths treat other women, how men, how gays treat each other psychopaths, how countries are. And, but it was it's all about uh, tyranny, tyranny of people on, on, on others. So over, it took a lot of years to do this, and it's a rough watch. There are 13 films, and uh, so I went over to Ukraine and was enacted in it, and then I helped edit later, and, and it finally it came out, and if people want to go to dao.org, they can look at that, D-A-U, and you can watch them online. They're pretty rough, but they're in the raw. You know, this is like, this is like the Truman Show on every drug imaginable. And um, and so it's still very controversial. But that was the group it was funded by a, uh, a Russian oligarch. Right. And and we didn't know this during the whole time. Uh, but he also we were funded for putting up the Bobby R monument in, in uh, you know, in, in Ukraine. And that was a kind of a war this past year of of who was going to run that. So we're getting involved with these these oligarchs. Some are very sweet and just really rich, and some are uh, pretty brutal guys, you know. But anyway, in that whole mix, uh, we we opened, you know, in uh, Paris, and then we had in London, and then in Germany, and then it went online to make it more broadly available. And But part of that, that whole series was having meetings. So we went there for a couple of weeks at four times over two years, and we brought in uh, people, experts, for the four guys who broke up the Soviet Union in 1990 to 91. And those four, I ran a panel with them about tyranny and about the Soviet Union. And, and with some of the things that were said, they're quite prescient uh, for what's happening right now. And I, I learned a lot about, uh, you know, Putin there, but also through the Dow series and all these talks that we was kind of held through the House of Commons and then the, and the House of Lords. And then we gave some talks at the Royal Society of London. So it was very well funded and a very interesting group. And so there I gave talks Incredible. with the ex, you know, uh, jihadist in, in the UK and a, and a KGB agent and I befriended each other. And I learned a lot of stuff about the, the way they think. And I also, you know, I talked to, to Helen Mirren and I said, Helen, who I know through, you know, her nephew, Simon, who, who did that first show that I was on with Criminal Minds, they did episode 99, Outfoxed. And he saw the whole thing. And I asked Helen Mirren, I said, how do you go, how do you know, get to know the real Russia? And she told me where you had to go, how far outside of each major town. She had went through great details because they have a Russian background, right? And so I tried to put all of these together to get the mindset and, and my cousins who are Ukrainian and uh, all the people, the former uh, Secretary of State in Russia, in the Soviet Union, actually, and the former head of Belarus, who I got to spend time with, and the former Prime Minister of Chechnya. He was that cool looking guy with the, you know, the AK-47. <laughs> He's a very sweet guy himself, but a tough, the toughest sort of guy you can imagine. So I spent a fair amount of time face to face with him. And also uh, Viktor Yushchenko, 
People will know him. He's the guy that Putin poisoned with the sarin. He's got all the bumps on his face. So I've been in contact with him for years, and they've given me a lot of insights uh, into what, what's the motivation of Putin. And so I got the the motivation of, of Putin through uh, Gary Kasparov. I think people know the chess champion. He, he's he, uh, mm -hmm. one of our groups. Uh, but also uh, people they had a, from Belarus and and people who were close to Yeltsin and other people. So I, I gathered this information up over the years, over the past 10 years. And, and then I started to see some alarming things. I gave one talk uh, in uh, several years ago, three or four years ago, in Oslo. I gave it to a public group, a large group, and talked about how dangerous Putin was. And I was a curious thing, you know, happened. I, I left and walked out back to downtown Oslo after out of this big auditorium, circular rotunda. And I was followed by a guy about my age. And he goes, well, that was an interesting talk. He said, uh, if you keep talking like that, you will get assassinated. He said, he, he, wow. what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, he says, and you may get it from both sides. Well, it turns out he was a CIA guy. So he was in the Vietnam War, but he's still a CIA guy. And he says, you got to watch it. So I kept getting these things about exactly the wrong thing to say. That is, I'm a nobody, but I'm an academic with no, I, I have no bone to pick. Do you know what I mean? I have no ideological bone yeah. to pick. I'm not crazy about communism, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not pro this. or, or So the, the only part of the voice that matters is that I seem to be neutral and I'm as about as neutral as you can get. I think it's for me, it's an academic question, uh, but it's becoming more important. It's less academic as the days go by here is, is Putin a mm -hmm. psychopath? You call somebody a psychopath. And, and of course, you know, because of the Goldwater rule from back in the sixties, you can't, you can't diagnose somebody from looking at that. So you, you look at their traits and you get as much information from everybody who knew them or knows them. I did this with President Assad of Syria and got very good information on him from his, uh, uh, you know, from the family uh, pa uh, pediatrician. And, but anyway, so you get all this information and you just line up the traits and you say, are the traits there? You put them on a scoreboard and this is not how you do psychiatry, right? But it's the, it's the way that you, you say, does, are the traits there? And that's it, what it I did. It is how you do psychiatry. It, it is how you do well, psychiatry, though. You ask the questions of the patterns, and you, yeah, and and you watch the patterns. And I, I, psychiatry, psychiatry is a very close relative of dermatology. I mean, you can hold up a rash, and you say, you know, how long you had it? What are you feeling? Is that and and just because it's across electronic media doesn't mean you can't come up with a diagnosis. And the same thing, the sort of the extremes of psychiatry, it's very easy to make diagnostic assessments. And you can, because there's nothing different between an electronic distribution, a screen, and my the photons hitting my eye across the room. It's the same thing. And there's a lot of behaviors that are diagnostic. And so, and if you get on well, top of that, the history and the patterns, and you get all the other information from the surrounding personnel, which is usually how you get it when somebody has serious mental illness, because the person won't talk to you that has the serious mental illness. That is how psychiatry is done. So you can come up with some provisional ideas. Yes. Yeah, you can come up with ideas. The thing is, what is important is for the, to differentiate sociopathy from psychopathy is an important distinction. Yes. And for that, you talk have about to that. 
have a dialogue with the person is, what do you think about your feelings? What do you think about what you do? That usually takes yes. an informal sort of discussion as opposed to what you're saying, you know, you can add up those traits, but it's, if, if somebody yes. believes that what they're doing, which is objectively immoral and awful, if they really believe it's okay, see, psychopaths believe what they're doing is okay. Sociopaths know what they're doing is wrong, but they do it anyway. Yeah. And, yes. And, yes. And so if, so somebody with a personality disorder, they believe their own shit. You know what I mean? Whereas yes. somebody with yes. a lesser form, Somebody with narcissistic personality disorder really believes they're the greatest thing in the world. People who are just narcissists really are coming from weakness. They don't think they're very good. They're yeah. very different. One right. personality disorder can't believe them. So that's where it, it's like you want to sit down with Putin and say, what do you feel about these behaviors? And it and it's very hard to get this information. So it, yeah, you know, yeah. you can get the stuff, but to separate out the behavior and the disorder from the personality disorder, that's where the, the direct interaction is important because somebody who's a sociopath is the true sinner in all Abrahamic and even Eastern religions. You got to know what you're doing and believe what you're doing is wrong and immoral or else it doesn't count. And psychopaths, it doesn't count. They're really not what you call they're extremely dangerous people, but they're not evil in this sense. Whereas a sociopath knows what they're doing is terrible and they do it anyway. They're, you know, these are people who are and, feel like and losers they, and they, 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 yeah, and they spend a lot of energy convincing themselves they're right, while a psychopath yeah, doesn't yeah. have to convince. They, they they just feel they are. Yeah. And well, let me ask two, two quick sort of pert. Keep going. Yeah, just so it's so the uh, the idea with the dictators, especially now with Putin, is what he's doing is sociopathic. I think uh, when when almost every culture says this is, you know, this probably it's probably sociopathic, whether it's a psychopathic thing is different because he may think it's really beautiful and completely moral. Anyway, mm -hmm. I cut you up. Two, two, two quick questions, uh, again, sort of out of the sort of the current moment. Uh, I don't know if you saw that series, Inventing Anna, that girl that came over here and, uh, you know, sort of talk. It, it's, it, I, I think she is a really true psychopath. You might enjoy the, the series. And, um, and, and when I saw that series, I thought, God, somebody like that could probably be very useful to the military. You know, I'm sure they have lots of reasons to deploy people like that and probably look for them. Is that, do they? And James Mattis and the other, you know, some of the other brass that we work with, they were concerned about this because, you know, who are the experience of the military was who are the guys that never get killed in battle? The, 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 the ones that at least they can smell a bad situation, they get out of there, they never get killed are Los Angeles gang leaders. That was their most... But now they go back and they're better psychopaths if they were psychopaths than they were before. So what what is useful and then what it does to society are two different things. And um, right. And so the question is for those for responsible military leaders is you know how do we get people with the with the useful traits without having them triggered into psychopathy or going back or getting psychopaths in to begin with? You know, it's it's a big problem. Interesting. And then the other thing I've noticed these days is that there are people that sort of like, I, I'm not, I'm not making a specific assessment, but if they, I've seen an awful lot of people that like authoritarian leaders these days, they like, like, like getting direction from the state and from the government. Sure. And they even like stuff that sort of has a psychopathic quality to it. Do we know anything about those people? Cause that's as interesting as the person mandating the behavior. Well, 
Well, they don't see that the, the thing is psychopaths don't exist unless there are people who play along with them, people who will hire them, people who will go along with them, listen to them for their own, you know, their own personal reasons. And so Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at somebody, uh, and when I started to get really concerned it, with Putin, uh, was, you know, I said, well, Putin will be under control as long as there, there are strong leaders in the West who will stand up to him. And I got to tell you, and I, with my colleagues, I, I said last year when Biden was elected, you know, but he's a very you know, weak person and not completely compass as we know, but he is, you know, this is the last person you want to be dealing with a bully because bullies look for people like Biden or look for people like who are easy targets. And so if you try to be nice to them, you know, you, you say, well, if you're nice to them, they'll be fine. Well, this is like the worst thing you can do. So I'm telling you, you know, even though I didn't vote for Trump, when Biden was elected, I said, we're in trouble with Putin because he's going to go for it. I'm not the only one who said could see this coming. And, 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 and so you have to have, in order for a Putin to be a real danger today, you have to have a Biden, somebody like a Biden, uh, who is, you see, you got me all worked up. I'm getting my, th all my, <laughs> my tone's going off here. Anyway. Your computer's talking so, to us, making all kinds of noise at us. Well, yes, I'm going to move this over here. Sorry, but I get too many computers. Anyway, there I'll we tell go. you what let's do. How's I'll that? tell you what let's do. Let, let's hey, let's take a little break. He's just getting to the Putin part. I know. We're going to get to the Putin part. We're gonna, we'll, yeah, let's take a break. When we come back, we're, we're going to go over the traits that you have found in the leaders, and then you're going to talk specifically about how that applies to Putin. Let's talk about our friends at Hydrolyte. I can't say enough about Hydrolyte. You hear me talk about them all the time. It gets me through workouts and medical procedures and colonoscopies. And COVID, it absolutely contributed to my recovery from COVID. Hydration is key to feeling healthy, and there's never been a time when that could be more important. We're in the height of cold flu season. Every headache has got you testing for COVID. Staying hydrated can keep the questionable symptoms at bay, and there's nothing better than Hydrolyte to get it done. Taking their hydration formula one step further, now there is Hydrolyte Plus Immunity. It starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients. Plus, each single-serve, easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-pour powder sticks that rapidly dissolve in water to make a great-tasting drink that is a 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink. It uses all-natural flavors. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash Dr. Drew. And be sure to use that code Dr. Drew 25 at checkout for a special discount. And we are back. Thank you. Sorry to Clubhouse. I accidentally stopped the room. I'm started it back up again. So I see you guys coming in here. Um, so let's go through the traits that you've discovered amongst these leaders you studied across the last many centuries. Uh, shall we start with the, I think it's the traits we've got up there first, the most common traits. There they are. Well, yeah, Personality all, traits. The one one take-home message uh, preceding this is that Every every one of the uh, dictators that I looked at over 3,500 years, where I had the full as much of the biographical material as I could, were e either orphaned or or and or abused tremendously from birth to a couple of years, 
of life. That was consistent through all of them. The only one uh, that said that his life was normal, his early life was Pol Pot. He's the only one. He claimed it. We don't know if it's true. But all the rest of them, it's very clear, including uh, Putin, who was pretty much abandoned and then was a street kid and was bullied heavily, um, especially in St. Petersburg and and beyond that. He was a little guy and, um, and, and he was bullied and he he learned he, he earned his stripes on the street certainly so that's the mm-hmm. first thing the second thing that most all of them uh, were quite intelligent and had very good memories their memories were quite good and the only exception to that was Idi Amin who was not very smart and his memory was not very good and but so with those two provisos those are the first two things you could say generally now if we then go and look at the most consistent personality traits for almost all the dictators I looked at, where I could get that information, uh, you know, since the Syrian times and before that, you know, before the Greeks, uh, was that you know many were, of course, glib and charming, and they had great notions of themselves. They're very narcissistic and very grandiose. Uh, they all, most all of them, showed a tremendous amount of charisma, and they have what is called it's you know when somebody walks into the room and you say that guy's got charisma or that gal's got they fill up the room with that light well that has it's called fearless dominance and it's a main trait in psychopaths that's what it's called and almost mm-hmm. all of them have that when they come into the room you see it and uh and and they have a glow about them very consistent uh, they're you know most of them are all pathological liars but there you say well they have to lie it's like, did FDR really have to tell us moment by moment the truth? You know, when, you know, for every move that would occur. No, and so that's that. That's got an asterisk because pathological lying is something that's like, well, you have to, you know, you have to in order to save your mm. country. So, uh, and all were very manipulative, very cunning people, very bright, quite quite brilliant, and. Uh, None of them ever showed any remorse at all, no sense of guilt for anything that happened at all. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and one of the great, uh, I say great, great leaders who was a really a true psychopath was Stalin. There's still a question about Hitler. And again, he was a full on sociopath, but he had close emotional relationships, which kind of discount, it kind of disqualifies you from the psychopath. You're certainly a sociopath. So there's a question on a number of traits for somebody like Hitler. Stalin had all of them. He was the, the you know, the grand poobah of this. Now, uh, they're emotionally very shallow, and and we've seen that with, uh, with all of them where I could find information. And they had that callousness that young kids have who are kind of pre-psychopathic, an emotional callous uh, kids who look right through mm-hmm. you. Of course, a lot of kids mm-hmm. are like that. So anyway, but uh, that's a very consistent thing. And they always ex- they always kind of externalize blame, you know. But again, as leaders, they almost have to unless it is congratulatory to them. I did. I'll take responsibility mm-hmm. for this, you know, because it it, it, it enhances them. Uh, you ha- you see a couple of the, mm-hmm. the sexualities very interesting. They're either hypersexual and have strange, you know, by any norm, strange sexual behaviors, or completely asexual. So their sexuality is off in three directions. Uh, they can be impulsive, but they're usually under control. And when, if you go to the uh, different uh, psychopathic uh, trait analyses, uh, like Malone's, you look on the spectrum going from one end, which is kind of normal, and the other end where 
it's abnormal and it's psychopathic. So you can look for changes. So if you're looking for dynamic changes over a period of a year or two years in these people, you're looking for changes. So in looking at somebody like Putin right now, I'm looking for changes of behavior of the past year or two, which can be due to a number of things in them because they usually don't change unless they have some sort of disorder like uh, tertiary syphilis or they're developing a dementia. Like Joe, De- Joe Biden is developing an obvious dementia. And, you know, it was obvious two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, with mild cognitive impairment, which doesn't sound bad, but you, it's hard to run a popsicle stand if you've got it. And, and so there's, there's that where you can see where they're starting to get uh, some dementia, not necessarily Alzheimer's. There's 50 kinds of dementia, and half the cases are Alzheimer's, but the other large group is like frontotemporal dementia. And frontotemporal dementia, uh, which is, you know, damage that's due to degeneration of the prefrontal cortex and the anterior temporal lobe, those two, frontotemporal. Uh, but also if you have damage there, like a tumor, you have these you have these changes of behavior. So like we saw in John McCain, with so people with... Uh, frontotemporal dementia, oftentimes their sense of humor changes, their sexuality, their hypersexual, they become hypersexual, that changes, and they change political parties. So we saw John McCain go from being a Republican into a Democrat, but it was, or Arlen Specter had the same thing. Now he had a tumor removed uh, and had damage. You can see where it was done on this, uh, you know, on his prefrontal cortex. He also a change this changed in him too and in fact he was a republican who became a democrat but his sense of humor had changed and um mm. and, and, and other signs so interesting in somebody i'm looking in putin for changes of behavior in the past year or two because maybe he thinks he's got a terminal you know disorder he's going to die so he's got to fulfill his historical destiny of being vladimir the 10th century you know czar of the, the czar of the kievan rus you know, that's who he thinks he is. He's mm. the czar of the Cuban Rus. He is the old Vlad. And um, so, and I know that part, if I, just the di- little diversion here from talking to Yushchenko, the former president of Ukraine, who spent a few hours with him and uh, the former head of Chechnya and, and, and other people in the know, who were leaders in Russia, that the reason why he's doing, he said, why the Donbass? Why, Don- why is he going for that? There's several reasons, but those, mm. the interesting thing they said, the driving thing is because he thinks he is like from centuries, many centuries ago, uh, just like Hitler yeah. tried to grab onto the Aryan, you know, this, they, you know, dictators, terrorists, fascists, Stalinists, they all have this thing where they grab onto some ancient, deep, dark, impenetrable past that nobody can prove or disprove. We come from this glorious people. We come from this great people. And, and he's doing it. So he's having this hallucination, but he had this sense before. And I know this because I know the people who know him well and why he was doing that. He had to get a connection from the Donbass all the way up to the Baltics, all the way up to Scandinavia, or that whole Rus system, the Kievan Rus. That was the great Slavic empire. That's what he wants back, right? You can say it's the Soviet empire, but he's nearly not a communist. He's a dictator. He's not a communist necessarily. And so he, in his mind, you see, in his imagination now, I think this has gone hog wild, which is uh, as he was falling apart, as Hitler was falling apart, it became more and more this this, this ancient past. And 
you know, and this was something that has roots in uh, a philosopher from 1800 who wrote mostly around 1800 uh, named Joseph de Maestre, D-E-M-A-I-S-T-R-E. And he, he was a Savoyan uh, politician and, and philosopher, and he set up the, the whole game book. So between him and Hegel, they set up the entire reason and how you become dictators, whether it's you, whether you're Nazis or you're Stalinists or some form of dictator or a terrorist, you, you do these things and they follow Joseph de Maestri's uh, guidebook for doing it. And so he's doing all of those things. If you want to find out this sort of historical uh, and now psychotic yeah. historical background, it's very interesting because there, there are driving ideas it, in these people. So when you say, is he a rational actor? It does. Yeah, it does look like he is trying to restore some mother Russia border sort of via Catherine the Great era or Peter the Great, one of those. And it's not about the Soviet Union. It's about back before even. Because Kiev, my understanding, was the original source of Russian culture. And so obviously that's, that's a right. big deal to him, sort of mythically. That's yeah. Rus, and that's what he wants back. Yeah. Yep. And so you mentioned him possibly being ill. Do you see any evidence of that? Well, I've been watching as much footage as I could, and certainly he has switched over in this Malone, M-I-L-L-O-N, that sort of formulation of psychopathy. He is switching over to things he hadn't done before. He's losing his cool. Mm. Never lost his cool. Mm. He's losing his cool. He's, ex he's exploding publicly at his inner circle. He's starting to have these made-up sort of uh, meetings uh, you know, most of the time he's completely alone and he's strained. He's completely separated from people, which he wasn't before. And I work with a BBC reporter who's in Ukraine right now, in Kiev, uh, who knows Putin well. And he said the distancing is dramatic. So he's this whole social distancing is 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 dramatic. But he's also threatening people, his head generals in public. This is something he would never do. Uh, and he's got these silly meetings with like young girls that were probably taped before because they have, you know, the Soviets and the Russians, they always do. They tape a bunch of stuff with the leaders and then they roll it out like it happened yesterday. That's not surprising, but there's kind of these silly things um, where they said, look, at I'm normal. And but he's 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 becoming very fractious. Now, if he has in his mind uh, this 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 enhanced glory of being the head Slavic Kievan Rus leader from the 10th century, 11th century, which almost he certainly does. This is what he's trying to put together. Um, you put that together with behavioral changes associated, normally associated with frontal temporal dementia or some sort of degeneration of the frontal lobe. We have release of impulsivity. You have a loss of control, got a lot of anger uh, and and so you see this with people with dementia, you know, the onsets of dementia. And you even, not to, not to pick on Biden again, but you can see Biden's behavior in this way, impulsive. He's become a bully on weak people. You know, Trump was a bully on powerful people. Biden picks on like an average working person and he explodes at them. And, and his, his sense of humor is weird and all that. That's typical of it. I'm not saying Biden is dangerous, but he's dangerous in the sense that he won't fight back, right? And so, for somebody like Putin, mm -hmm. who is has this, may have the similar thing, this is uh, this is red meat for him, for Putin to have somebody like Putin, mm. have somebody like 
Biden. That's why this combination in time and with two of them potentially having uh, different forms of dementia, it couldn't be worse. So if you say, well, in, could you predict the use of tactical nuclear weapons? Could you? It, this is one of the few cases where I said it was absolutely possible. You got two people, one emboldened and maybe losing his mind and a psychopath to begin with, and one with these dreams of grandiose glory. And then you have another one who is really has mild cognitive impairment is getting worse. And he, he can't, uh, you know, when you can't read off a prompter, like it would be you misspeaking and saying, well, I'm a doctor instead of doctor. Well, you know, immediately said something wrong. People with dementia, as you know, right. they can't read in themselves. And Biden is making these mistakes of things you would never, you, I, I could never mispronounce as crazy as I could get. And old, I would could never mispronounce neuroanatomy. I mean, it's been in my head for 60 years. It's something, but my, Biden right. is missing though. So he's, he's, his mind's falling apart, no question. And, um, and, and, but I think if, if uh, Putin's is too. So here you got a very weak person, a very now, strong now, person. Now people can get, as people age, they can get uh, lots of cognitive changes with systemic illness, right? And and I've noticed that uh, Putin seems to be bloated, almost like corticosteroid bloated, like a moon face kind of thing. Have you have you? I wonder if he's on corticosteroids for something, and corticosteroids are for cancers many times and inflammatory diseases. I I just it just crosses my mind. What do you think? Yeah, he has the, he has the. Uh, a corticosteroid face of somebody on heavy uh, cancer therapy, immunosuppressive yeah. therapy. Yeah. And that's the most, like he's got yeah. a, maybe a blastoma or something because he has that and, and he's, he's kind of steroidal and he's aggressive and more aggressive than he ever was. Yeah. And explosives. You wonder, you know, these are guesses we're making, well, but I'm, and I'm not disagreeing at all oh, with no, what I, you're the, saying. Yeah, no, no. These are these are. I I am not in any way even rendering opinion. I'm just thinking out loud. Really, is what we're doing. Yeah. And, and now, what would you do? Let's say he is a psychopath. Let's just say for the sake of argument, say he is a psychopath and he is degenerating. What would you do to stop him? Well, we may be past the point. You know what you probably can't do is any immediate, open, threatening move that will completely embarrass him. Right now, well, you can do that. You mm -hmm. do what you do with bullies is you, you immediately strike back at them and they run. Right. But we've passed that stage. We've, we've opened this door and, and he's opened the door and we've kind of let him in and we're not fighting back um, and in any real serious way. And of course, he's anything you give in, he'll keep taking it. This is this is not a great revelation. He will just continue to do that until he's swallowed up. The rest of Europe, uh, the rest of what the Europe he believes he owns, and and which threatens other parts of Europe. So we're in that game right now. You know how to stop him? I think you do have to. And I'm out of my field now. Just this would be common sense. We do have to go. Uh, you know to completely cut him off. Uh, we 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 need uh, financial and goods blockades, arms blockades, those things that are not directly aggressive that allow enough time for somebody, some general or two uh, who's in there who really has the Russia's in the world at heart uh, to do what he should be doing, which is taking him out, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I can't say that. I'm very much against violence, but 
at this point, it's getting to, you know, the world, right? And it's getting to a lot of innocent people. And and the Rubicon is sort of being passed right now. And so yeah. you don't want to do anything where he'll, he will pull the trigger. But we don't know any, I haven't heard anything for the people I know in the CIA, people I know that were FSB and KGB people that have come out who have intel that says that the chain of command in Russia is different and that, that Putin can't simply override. See, we can't do that here, mm. right? Most countries have a mm. lot of built-in, these fail-safes that still can go haywire. But in this case, he may be able to do it on a whim. I, and I can't find anybody who can, who, who's told me that information. I haven't seen it. So without the knowledge, the deep knowledge of the chain of command, whether he is uh, can proscribe and, and prescribe these events by himself, I don't know. I, you know, and so this makes it mm. more dangerous because if he can pull the trigger himself, uh, this world is in for lots and lots of trouble. You know, because you can't, if you keep giving yeah. him what he wants, you you can't. You know, it's like giving a bully everything they want because he's a bully too, but. But beyond that, he was psychopathic. He has these dreams of grandeur. The world owes it to me, owes it to the Slavs, owes it to Russia, Mother Russia, owes you know. And this, it's written in the stars. When you got somebody who's really on that that bent, which he is on right now, uh, this is extraordinarily dangerous. Yeah, and, and um, I don't like to think about it. In fact. Yeah, if the dimension is that bad, and you can't stop him the then the dimension like if he ha if he knows he's gonna die he's gonna why would he care if he pulled the trigger on right, everybody right. else because it's all really about him have there been uh notable american leaders that you suspect were psychopathic well drew there was a, a study done several years ago it took all the main biographers of all the american presidents right who had all this information and they gave him the list they gave him the psychopathic personality inventory and gave him the list of the traits and they went through and added them up and uh, the, the people with the lowest psychopathy were George Bush Sr. This guy's like the mensch mm. on the psychopath. He's, he's like, mm. now his son scored higher. His son, you know, toward the top quarter. Um, mm. uh, Bill Clinton's very high. And, and, uh, and Bill Clinton is probably the most psychopathic, certainly modern president. Teddy Roosevelt is right up there. He was, you know, number one. But at the time, that was at a time where what he was doing was normal, right? But the mm -hmm. the best one, people think that psychopaths, effective psychopaths, snarl and they, they piss people off. They don't. You know, these effective, they're all about, I love you, baby. Who loves you? This is Bill Clinton. And so, and I was fortunate enough to know people who work very closely with Bill who, Terrified of he and Hillary, so they're terrible people, and uh, and and they the, the person who's the I would say the most like a true pro-social psychopath is Bill Clinton, but you know there are others up there. FDR and JFK very high, you know who loves you, baby. They, mm -hmm. they still have the same thing. People always looking for the asshole. You know who's the mean, grumbling guy? That's not the psychopath. That guy's a jerk, but he's not a psychopath. You see, so they get it wrong mm -hmm. uh, all the time because they want to, they want to go for somebody who they hate, their personality, as opposed to somebody who's truly a, a, a psychopath, a, a pro-social. I, I, I've known you for 
I, I know you're for a long time and know you just call like you see it. Are, uh, if somebody were to hear what you were just saying and, and take you on and say, oh, you're being partisan, it's because you're a Republican or you're, a, I don't know which side you're on. I have no idea. How, how would you, how never would you push back on that? Well, I've never voted for a Republican in my life. And I've been voting in every election forever since 1970. And I and I didn't vote for for Bush. I didn't I didn't vote for Trump either time. Any of that. So it's not like no. It's it. it and, it's, and let me it's let me. I'm just that. giving you a chance to defend yourself in case people feel that way. But but there's another piece to this too, which is which I find really interesting. I you're not the first person to say this to me about Bill Clinton. I've I've heard it before, and it sort of it looked that way to me. What's called a pro-social psychopath. I've heard it from multiple sources, different and mental health professionals, frankly. But what's interesting to me is. He was a great administrator and a really effective president. So just because you're a, a pro-social psychopath doesn't mean you can't be a really excellent administrator, excellent oh, president. No, you can be great. Yes, you can be great at all this stuff. And, you know, the, the, the profession with the highest uh, number or highest fraction of psychopaths is journalism. They're very effective. Um, and, you know, people like to think like the heads of large CEOs of large companies are psychopaths. Those are not there. The, the CEOs of startup companies, that's where you find them. But people hate, mm. love to hate big corporations. So they say that's where the psychopaths are. It's not true. Um, and I'm not a businessman. So it's, not, I, you know, it's, it's just, this is from study. So I'm, I'm really, I don't believe I'm yeah. a partisan at all. Um, hell, I came out and call myself a psychopath. What the hell with that? What kind of you know, I know, what kind of partisan? It's <laughs> like, okay, okay, I'll take that. That was real. I'm not a That's really funny. Um, so let's go back. Let's go back to finishing our list. Caleb, give us the next uh, slide on the list of psychopathy. Uh, we did this. Let's go to the next one. Uh, consistent traits in okay, psychopathy. We talked about this group. a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah, the, the next set of traits you can see up there. Not all of them had it, but it was common in them. And it, it's one of the funny things. You know, I have a, a, a couple of sources and books back here on the artistic and ar architectural tastes of dictators, and mostly sociopath and psychopathic dictators. And they have terrible taste in, in art and architecture. Almost it's amazing how lousy their taste is. Um, and, yeah. and, and they usually marry very poorly. They don't. They don't really marry well uh, at, at all. And it's a curious thing. Like many of them are very short and they have some sort of physical anomaly that they're embarrassed about. It's like Kaiser Wilhelm, you know, he had the short right arm. And, and you can notice Putin yep. also has that short arm, but that doesn't make them psychopaths. But a lot of them had these anomalies from from very early in life that that probably they're overcompensating for, right? Is you know you're laughing yep, at me yep. because of the, my limp? I'll show you. Uh, and so they have these other things, including uh, being sadistic. Now, psychopaths. Mm -hmm. Many psychopaths are not sadistic, uh, but many of these dictators who are psychopathic or sociopath are also sad sadistic. And I think you go one last slide on this uh, would be. Um, Let's keep going. Next slide. And then, you know, many also have these narcissistic traits. These are not necessarily psychopathic traits, but you can see there the list of, of narcissistic uh, traits where they have the, an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Now, uh, and 
you know, there's a lot of overlap between psychopaths and, and, and narcissistic personality disorder, which makes them hard to deconflate, to separate sometimes. But mm-hmm. not all mm-hmm. psychopaths are narcissistic, but many of the dictators were. And people like that. You know, they like to vote for it. And when, you know, one of the talks I had given in Ukraine was, you know, you got 350 years of czarist rule with the czarist police. You, To me, you become that whole, a large chunk of the population gets very used to it and they, they depend on it. And this goes back to a previous question you said that, you know, who are the people who keep voting them in? They like dictators. These are the, these mm. are the people that protect you from the other people who are worse. And, uh, Mm. And so you can see this and you could predict this in 300 years of slavery, 350 years of czarist rule. You can find any culture where that happens, where there's a large slice, they become very dependent on it and expect it. So they vote in these people. So they're, they're democratically uh, elected, even, even though the, many of these manipulate the hell out of the elections um, in the communist country, especially. But, uh, yeah. So at any rate, they have these traits too. And uh, these map Let's onto the, the brain. Line. So I Yeah. Which is the brain. Oh, next. Now here's one. another one. The last thing about and and and, a, and, a, and somebody who knew uh, Putin quite well, he added this thing on several years ago to me. He says he's caught stealing people's rings. He likes stealing things from people's houses. Now he's about the richest guy in the world, but he's a kleptomaniac. So he's got this added bonus thing and that actually there it maps onto like a brain problem. So I've tried to put all of these together for Putin to first of all, look at, wow. if you look at the psychopathic brain, I think we can look at maybe next. Let's do a next slide. That's, these are the areas of the brain that is. is turned off psychopaths. You see that? That's the limbic yeah. loop, the social brain. It's the, it's that area of the brain you use to, uh, use to interact with other people. That's the social brain. Psychopaths, this is turned off. Was all the way from the ventromedial and so, prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And so the ventromedial okay, prefrontal cortex, the the, the so-called uh, the uh, ocular gy- the um, uh, optic Bingo. nucleus there, as well as the amygdala, I see is off too. So they don't get anxious. They don't really worry about stuff, right? But the the if you look at close with the high resolution imaging, you'll notice that uh, which hasn't been done a lot of, uh, where half of the amygdala's up too high and half is down too low. And so it's a mix, oh, it's a mosaic of high and low in the amygdala, even though the overall huh. amygdala is small in psychopaths, parts of it are higher actually in activity. So the next slide, if we go from a psychopath, uh, you look at narcissistic personality disorder, it's a subset of those. So if you look with imaging mm-hmm. and you take that average, you'll notice that the narcissistic personality disorder, not a lot in the amygdala or cingulate or hippocampal formation, more in the prefrontal and anterior cingulate. And then if we go from there, uh, next slide, and there's only one more, I think. So I put together all what the, if you could do imaging, <laughs> brain imaging on all these dictators, what the average would look like uh, for all the traits. And it would look something like this. So this is the money slide. If we can, if we, if anybody can talk a dictator and get it done. Uh, and I, and I, I worked in <laughs> London with the, I worked in London with the two lawyers, actually three of them who heard a talk, and they got in touch with uh, a guy, the last guy who was up for crimes against humanity. Remember in uh, the, the Serb with the huge hair? Uh, and, Mo- and Mislovich, he, Meslovich, whatever his name is? 
begins with a K. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I can't remember either. But anyway, so. Yeah, but he was a, so they called him up and said, look, would, would you, there's the impression he left on me, but he's the, the big haired guy who was a, is a psychiatrist. And now he's, you know, he's mm -hmm. in for life. Uh, but they wanted me to do a full study on him, do the scanning. And they got back. So we're going back and forth in London. So they, they called him because he had just been put away. Uh, and they said, would you do this? And he goes, that's that Fallon guy. He says, I don't trust that son of a bitch. I said, I said, you're the butcher of Bosnia, for Christ's sake. You don't trust me. What do you, I mean, it's over, man. <laughs> so that's how sometimes these guys are like really full of themselves. Like, I'm, I'm above this. R Rod but, so that never Radovan. They, they, yeah, yeah, that's it. Radovan. Radovan, Radovan Karadzic, Karadzic, yeah. I can't pronounce Ar it. Okay, and then the last slide Crazy. for Putin. So for Putin, I try to put all his specific things, and he's got some extra business going on. Two of the red dots for being a kleptomaniac, and he and he has um, this core of the reticular formation in the, in the thalamus, etc., along the midline uh, in red. There you see that is associated with some yeah. of these other traits. So I would I would expect he would have a PET scan that would be high in those red areas very low in the blue areas that's my prediction for putin but if you just line up all the traits Let's, like we were talking about yeah the drill in a little bit what, so what this it, isn't his brain this is just what it would look like yeah this is a the notes they this susan yes we took his brain out of his head and we, <laughs> we sliced it slide so i want to dig into it a little bit so, 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 so is that the vermis of the? What am I seeing there? Is that, what's the red part in the uh, occiput? The what, what is that? That's not the the cerebellum is clear on that. That's part yeah. of the what's yeah. called the, the posterior. It's part of what's called the precuneus and posterior cingulate uh, that I would All expect right. to be higher. And there are per people. We had done the study here on people with perfect memory, autobiographical memory. Uh, that came out years ago was on CNN. Why well, did the neuroanatomy for it? And it had these with perfect mm. memory. They, they they have these fiber bundles that connect the hippocampus on both sides, plus some other spots mm. that are very highly active. Which probably these people can remember every day of their life what happened. Other parts of their memory are not affected. They may have actually poor uh, memories, but in the case of the people, the uh, with, with these great memories, and certainly Putin is, is one of them. Will have these higher areas where the areas connecting the memory circuits, key memory circuits, are larger than normal. So Mary this Lou is Mary Lou Henner has that autobiography. Has yes, that autobiograph I mean autobiographical Mary memory thing, yeah. and I, yeah, I, I talked to her. I interviewed her, and I said, uh, you know, I saw you talking to David Letterman. I remember this vividly because I was having kind of a weird depressive episode in 1979, the summer. She goes, oh, yeah, I was wearing a white dress. And I went, yes, you were, because I remembered that strangely. And she remembered the shoes. She remembered what they discussed. She remembered what she had for lunch that day. This was 50 years ago. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, all of us, uh, many of us, uh, guys from that uh, generation who watched Taxi, have a perfect memory of everything she did because she was so hot. And yeah. so adorable too. <laughs> I just thought she was adorable. It's like, God, I, you know, this is this is the, this is the one. And so we, I love you, many dude. of us guys, <laughs> have it, <laughs> perfect uh, biographical memory on Mary Lou. And, and and what is that hot spot on the on the reticular activating system? 
Well, that's through the core. That's the limbic core uh, having to do with uh, memory. That so that goes. That's a medial thalamus, uh, okay. a part of the uh, part of the mesencephalic uh, reticular formation that goes up into the preoptic area, okay. and it's the whole core yes. of tissue that um, that regulates lots of things. But when you're able to suppress emotions quite well, that can be very highly active. So people who can suppress it uh, can can have that and. Up until the past year, Putin has seemed to be a person who can really suppress it. But like I said, his behaviors have changed. And, and that some of those spots may be melting away before our eyes. And, and then there's that one little cold area up there at the uh, front of the anterior sulcus or something. What, what, what is that? Well, that, yes, that that is a, a spot that is part of the colossal system. And where the, uh, uh. where the between two hemispheres, and where it intersects with the what's called the interior portion of the internal capsule, which has to not only do with memory, but it's also very active in kleptomaniacs of all things. So that's oh, where the kleptomania. Interesting. 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 And then and then that that part that sort of folds under the blue part. That's the sort of orbital frontal, which is how you understand other people's feelings that's where all that kind of comes together and yeah. reflects out and he ain't got that yeah and it's so yeah for orbital cortex is in ventral media cortex one of the first to develop in an infant and and so and i had looked and reconstructed with certain kind of imaging called dti uh infants brains mm -hmm. who didn't have myelin yet but you could see the beginnings of those pathways and it's the first mm -hmm. one of the first pass pathways uh to develop and and to myelinate that's why you know it happens early that's why it's so susceptible early where the early trauma not later trauma early trauma will affect that uh, because it's the one of the first areas to develop and it's an area it's the center of the connecting the connections called the connectome it's one of the centers for moral reasoning and for control of impulsivity um and and and, and so people that have tumors there, uh, you know, problems there, lots of, you know, there have been cases where people have had tumors in that orbital cortex uh, where they become pedophiles in the middle of their life. And then they have it removed and all their pedophilic urges go away. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's not unbelievable to a neuroscientist, but it's, you know, to a regular person in me, I'm just, they would say that's just remarkable that something you would seem so twisted and strange it could be affected by a little pressure on the brain, but it can. Well, and uh, if you want to read a more dramatic story, Antonio Damasio, who I interviewed on this streaming show, wrote a book called Descartes' Error, where he uh, regales the story of Phileas Gage, who had a thing go through his frontal lobe, and uh, he deteriorated over time, interestingly. Yeah, they're very, they couldn't put their finger on it, so to speak. Yeah, he was in Vermont, and he, uh, you know, he had, he was, he, he blew up these granite um, blocks and he was the one that would poke the hole with the steel rod and he would put dynamite in there. Well, one time he put dynamite in, they blew up and went right through his eye. It didn't kill him at all, but he had these slight changes in personality. So it's like, and it's, it was like, you know, resemble a lot about psychopathy. Well, he seems to be as smart as he was, but he doesn't have interpersonal sort of normal interpersonal relationships anymore he seems very distant and weird like that but he's just as smart so yeah that's where it went through 
uh, and Phineas Gage. Yeah, it's, it's it was almost the descriptions are almost comical because he, he had a body sense of humor and he became a rogue and <laughs> all these kinds of language oh, yeah. that they described sociopathic psychopathic behavior, frankly. So yeah, that's what happened to me at eighteen. Yeah, um, and it's uh, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I got rid of the, that's the epigenetics in, in writ, writ large, writ large. Um, so the, let's sort of wrap the Putin conversation up here. So so summarize it for me. What you've learned about him and wh what you how you describe the present moment and and then you've already described how to approach it. But but I, I'm just curious. You know, be, all the people you've spoken to about him all the observation, all the study of previous psychopathic leaders. And, and I'm curious also what you said that made people, made you, somebody tell you you could get killed, because I haven't heard that yet, really. But maybe it's just anything problematic that he, he would come after you for. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of summarize it for me. You're, 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 paint the character. Go ahead. He has, he has many of the traits of a, of a real full-blown psychopath. I would say that. And I, and I really don't, See psychopaths everywhere I look that are pretty rare, but he's got all of the, the basic traits. If you go through the, the checklist, uh, he has the background. You always, always look for the background when they were born between two, between birth and two or three years old to see whether they were abandoned, orphaned, and abused. And he has those, those, uh, and he has in his background people in his background that would indicate a genetics, you know. Uh, just just because your aunts and uncles are a certain way doesn't mean you are, but he has it in his family. Uh, so what whatever we can interpret from what his genetics might be, we don't know. But he he has the he has uh, the, all the traits, and uh, and and the things that he does, you know, to this day, have been very much you would consider psychopathic, except that if you're in the Soviet Union and you like dictators, you would say there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. And this is the problem with saying, mm -hmm. well, this person is a psychopath because where they come from, it's not a psychopath. If you want to see psychopathy, walk outside in LA or New York City or in Baltimore, DC, you'll see psychopathy everywhere, where there are people mm -hmm. will kill, maim, steal, anything, and they think it's perfectly okay. And, um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, but that's psychopathy. That's not exotic. It's all over the streets in the United States. You can see it every day. And people very coldly, just pointlessly kind of beating up people and stealing, you know, and, and just robbing them the, beyond anything in a gang. It's individual people uh, usually picking on somebody old or very small. And, uh, and that, this is, these are psychopaths. So we don't have to go to Russia to find a whole ton of psychopaths that have been spawned in this society. Uh, but Certainly, Putin uh, is a smart one. He's a smart cookie, so he knows how to play the game. The problem is, to, is that in the past year or so, and especially in the past six months, he seems to be falling apart. That is, he seems to have some either neurodegenerative disorder that's coming on, uh, or he realizes he's going to die, something like that. And I can't get enough information and of that. I have it being vetted now in Ukraine and Russia, the people I know to come up with what he might have, and nobody has come up with it yet. But all the little behaviors, the way he looks at people, the way he treats them, the way he has lost his sense of humor, uh, all the little physical tells he has, its he's, he's really becoming a florid, more of a florid, uh, what's called a distempered psychopath. 
You know, some are just cool, calm, and collected, mm-hmm. and then some are distempered. He's, it's like he's turning into a distempered psychopath, a real wild man. So um, it's very disturbing. It's, um, you know, I'm in yeah. contact with yeah, my friends from Finland and Sweden and Norway. Were, and uh, I don't know many people in the Baltics, so I haven't been able, you know, not that. Uh, and they're extremely worried. And these are people who are neuroscientists who studied these things too. And they're absolutely terrified at as of the past two days. And the, of course, you know, it's really the nuclear weapons that make this so much more uh, extraordinary. Well, Dr. Fallon, uh, I have to wrap this up. You've been very generous with your time. I appreciate what you're doing and uh, that you've shared it with us. Uh, I hope more people um, hear it and think about it because it's it's pertinent to the present moment and something that we need to all kind of I guess I, I, you know, I don't know what to do about it. I feel helpless about it, but it is certainly, um, you know, very much impacting all of us. Yeah, we can, you know, when people from our generation look at like the Gen Zs. Now, this is not a going to be sort of a rant on them, but you know, just driving down here two days ago, students, a couple of students. On, we're carrying around a communist flag, cheering on the destruction of Ukraine. These are college students mm. at UC Irvine, um, mm. and so, so it is not over there. It's here. The people welcoming it here, uh, and you really got to help. You really got to hate yourself to to do this. It's like, do you really want the the most brutal sort of worse than the you know, the Soviet Union and all these dictators, you really want that here. Oh, yes, bring it on because these kids are mad at their father or something. Who knows what has, has gotten to them. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like, how do you That's get even sensible. with, you know, this is, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But you, you find all these kids even from the suburbs who it's like they, what they're hating, they don't know what they're asking for. It's unbelievable. These are kids, college kids yeah. at, at pretty good university. Yeah, they don't see know it all over well, it's just not so on the street. Do you have any last questions? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, he's he's seeing that it's in the college setting, and that that's the way it is. I mean, they always there's there's always a communistic uh, hmm. side on every college campus. So. Well, looking for dictatorial sort of leadership is what's. Yeah, or just you know, there. aren't they aren't aware of what's really going on? They need to go to Russia. Well, these are the guys. Reason. These are the guys and gals who are going to help me become powerful now. You've been stepping on me. Now I'm going to, these dictators are great because we're going to get even now. And that's what college students yeah. are saying. Some personal yeah. problem they had. They dated poorly or they're mad at their father or uncle or mother or something. Right. And, um, oh boy. You know, and that's what they are. There's a way, that's sociopathy, getting even with the world. I don't care if the world blows up. I don't care if this country is destroyed. I want to get even because I didn't get my own. And mm. this is... Mm. Well, this helped people like Putin. Yeah, it it um, when you put it that way, it, it you know I immediately start thinking about the function of religion and helping people contain some of those impulses. And I think about your own history with having become a little religious during a period of time. I, I wonder if that was a compensation for these uh, tendencies. It could have been. It could have been a compensation. Yeah. It was struggling back yeah. and forth. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, is there some place you'd like me to send people? I've got your Twitter at James Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N. Anywhere else besides Twitter? Get the book. Well, There's I'm, the book, I'm The uh, Psychopath Inside. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm posting, you know, any talks. I'll, I'll post our talk to, today on, on Twitter. Thank you. But I'm, you know, you I, because I've got an active. Whose illness? Huh? You said that, remember he, he got ill when he was visiting the. Oh, well, he implied you, oh, I remember that. I don't know if that was during the, yeah, you implied you got poisoned because you were talking about this well, stuff, you know, right? You no, know, you know, but this started, this start, started me on, on a, I've never, I never get sick. And that was, it started then, we don't know. So I never, I've never, I haven't been tested for this. So I don't know. I was just curious. But the guy I, you know, like I said, palled with who was a KGB guy that turned around uh, that, that, that night when I left London, he died that night. And, and, and I got really sick for a long time. I think it was maybe it's just coincidence. Yeah, because you know why? The, why would they waste time? They wouldn't waste time on me, but they would waste time on him because he was an insider who turned on the mm -hmm. regime. And, and after all, Putin he, what, is. Can you? He's KGB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and of course, Putin was head of the KGB, FSB, uh, and uh, the the guy that I befriended for some years and gave talks about Putin and about the, the tyrannies. So he was he's he was a head guy in Ukraine with the with the KGB, but he turned. He became a good guy, and we became great friends. He looks like something out of Central Central Casting. He was bald head, pointed, and just looked like he was ready to tear anybody apart at all. And he could. He was he was very scary mm -hmm. guy, but he was very sweet. We would give each other head rubs and all that stuff. And and, 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 <laughs> oh and got drunk. The two psychopaths who were, we, we, we really hugged. It was a very sweet relationship. My wife wished I had a sweetest relationship with her as I did with the KGB psychopath. Anyway. I, I understand. And, and, and did he teach you anything about the KGB that was a surprise for you? Lots. Lots. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff he talked about is in those Dow films. But he gave me, he went through all sorts of tricks. And they're and they're mostly you know psychological tricks. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the torture is psychological, which is much worse, and, and which was always an attraction too. Because you know, I I grew up in Loudonville, New York, and a guy living across the street was a Kate was an MK Ultra psychiatrist uh, with electroshock, mm. and a guy two story, two two streets down was the guy who ran MK Ultra. So we had MK Ultra in the air in our neighborhood. It was always wow. like having boogie wow. wow. Interesting neighborhood. We yeah. had about, generals on one side. We right. talk about psych psychological torture or, or terrorism. I mean, that's basically what they're using on us now. Uh, that's what, You yeah. know, they're, they're threatening the that they're going to, the you know, push the button. Yeah, all this fear. Well, we sort of, you know, and I think... With COVID, yeah. all of a sudden, COVID's gone. Now we've got a new fear. It's keep, always keeping people in fear. This is psychological, constant, chronic psychological trauma, which uh, is is has been put on us, especially the past two years, year mostly. Um, keep them worried. Keep them terrified. And we can manipulate you. See, it's that's the oldest sort of manipulation. I mean, the Greeks knew about that one. It's ridiculous. All right, let's wrap this up, my friends. Thank you so much. Uh, is there is there a book on Putin coming out? Uh, I'm not. I don't know of one. You know, there. No, we're, you, we have you, not you. Power. You're not writing one. No, 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 no. I'm trying to work on you know other things. We're, we're trying to work on PTSD and suicide and 
addictions and all of that. Right. So that's, you know, you and I are, you know, we, that's our main thing. Um, so I, I can't, but I'll, I'll let you know if that happens. And at PutinCon, there's going to be the, all those people that came together are coming back in a few days. I'll post that to, uh, you know, all the people I was talking about, including Gary Kasparov and a lot of the Russians and Ukrainians. They'll be on there discussing it. We all won't be talking. But uh, if you go to the Human Rights Foundation and look up the Putin, and I'll send you that link for, what, for people who are interested in these people who really know most about it. The Putin con, the and then you have Dow.org also, DAU.org. Is that also the other one where the series is? Yeah, Dow, DAU.org, and you go to and you can rent the films for like 350. And there's a bunch of them. The main one is called Degeneration. That you've got to have a strong stomach, and and it's really at the edge of what people can take. It's, I, it's not for it's not a regular horror film, these are all real people, they're not actors doing their thing. And, uh, and, and so, um, I, I advise looking at that cautiously because a lot of people don't, don't like it. They can't, they, they don't like the amount of terror involved because they know that these are the people who did that and are doing it to each other. It's, it's a, so it's really at the edge. But anyway, if you like that kind of group of films, uh, it's pretty wild. All right, my friend. Yeah, but uh, it's educational. Like I. I want to get all those kids in college to see that so they can understand it. Oh, yeah. They don't understand really, it. It really goes on. Really, how, how people brutalize each other in normal, what they consider loving relationships, or just two women working together in a, in a, in a cafe. How the depth of the pathology that goes on. Yeah. Mm. So, Drew, thanks for having me on. And, uh, Thank you, Dr. Fallon. We're going to have you back. We'll have you back soon. We'll talk. We'll do some of the genetics CRISPR stuff. Maybe we'll do a little neuroscience uh, sure. presentation. How about that? All right. Sure. Can do. It. All right. And then, uh, and as I, there's no doubt, you know, the historic, the present historical moment is going to evolve, and I may have questions for you, so I may ask you back to yeah. analyze what what Putin's up to. Okay. I'll give it my best shot. See you. All right, my friend. Next time. Talk to you soon. Take care. Have a nice evening. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.